So welcome to Plodcast, the Plodcast, the one and only Plodcast, episode 123. It's good to have you here. I mean, uh, golly, I really appreciate it. You could be sitting inside around the dinner table with your family, and here you are out in the garage listening to the Plodcast. You don't have to do that. Why don't you go have dinner? Uh, listen, you can finish this some other time. Yeah. But be that as it may, I'm glad you're, whenever you listen to it, I'm glad you did. So um, I want to talk a little bit about what just just happened today as we're recording this. Um, th- those of you who listen to these things um, regularly, you have to understand that if, if sometimes the podcast seems uh, on point and timely and boy, is it current, uh, and other times it seems a, like a little bit like yesterday's newspaper, uh, that's because I record four of them at a shot. So I record these things basically once a month. And uh, so the first one that's released after I record them uh, might seem real timely. And the fourth one that uh, you listen to after I've recorded it the month prior might seem a little dated. So just keep that in mind. Cut me some slack. I'm doing, I'm, I'm pedaling as hard as I can. So as I, um, as I'm recording this, Today, uh, Elizabeth Warren has um, has declared that she is uh, she wants to be the last president elected by the electoral college, the system of the electoral college, and uh, this is the um, <laughs> here's the, this is the thing: the, the fact that people can avow that that's what they're going to do, that that's what they think is a good thing to do, um, is just staggering. And anybody who understands how the, how the Electoral College works understands a little something of the genius of the Founding Fathers. We are a republic, a, um, the, 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 the 50 states are not provinces. They are governments in their own right. They're not provinces. They're not administrative districts. And uh, basically, what, um, <laughs> what would happen if, if, if someone abolished the Electoral College, then that would mean that a candidate for the presidency of the United States would need to campaign New York, Chicago, and Los Angeles. Basically, you you would have campaigns in the big, in, in the big cities, and and if you understand something about modern politics, it's not just a matter of campaigning there, but it's a matter of funneling money there. So so um, what w- what is now ostensibly um, flyover country would become genuinely flyover country because what would happen is. Politicians would campaign in um, highly populated, dense blue states because all they have to do is win the popular vote, right? Uh, if they win the popular vote, then they're in. And it, and it wouldn't matter if 98% of all precincts in the country voted against them. Uh, those densely populated uh, precincts in New York and LA and Chicago could just simply overwhelm, um, overwhelm everything else, which, which would mean 
that we would have a um, uh, a dictatorship of <laughs> of certain cities that are running themselves into the ground, and they would be the, the basically what they would have is warm bodies, and these warm bodies would be willing to would be willing to sign up to uh, to be bribed here bribe me here give me a program give me two programs give me three programs and you would have the interests of Nebraska and Kansas and Oklahoma and Texas and Idaho and Montana and North Dakota and South Dakota all of these um, uh, states with wide open spaces a lot of blue sky and a not insignificant number of people with a different set of cultural values than the uh, urbanists who are functioning, you know, basically, uh, to, to take, take a phrase I picked up one time, the uh, New England, uh, the, the east, well, the right coast and the left coast are basically um, Europe without castles. They, they don't have castles, but they've got a cosmopolitan vibe, a cosmopolitan sensibility. And it's uh, at complete odds with uh, what's going on in the rest of the country, and so consequently, you are uh, if you if you eliminated the electoral college, uh, and right now the electoral college makes Nebraska significant, makes Minnesota significant, makes um, every every state matters, every state counts. So someone running uh, running for president now has to campaign virtually everywhere. And if someone decides to not campaign somewhere, like Bloomsburg, Bloomberg has just said he, he's not planning on campaigning in Iowa or South Carolina, uh, that's, that's uh, read as uh, conceited or arrogant. You really need to pay attention to the whole country. So Elizabeth Warren has shown herself to be anti-Republican, not capital R Republican as in the political party, but she doesn't understand Civics 101. She doesn't understand why the founders designed the system the way they did, why it was a good idea, why it's been a major protection for us. And so she's just saying, I'm, I want to abolish it. Now, even if she were to be elected, and it would be a disaster if she were elected, and she would do a lot of damage if she were elected. I don't think she would be. Uh, I, I don't think she would be able to get rid of the electoral college, uh, because you'd have to get a constitutional amendment uh, passed, and you'd have to have all the states that are now significant in presidential elections sign up for their future insignificance. Always we will be Martiology. Uh, we are continuing our study of sin, and the next word is asabea, asabea, which means ungodliness. Asabea means ungodliness. And we're going to be considering variations on this word for the next few editions of the podcast. Um, there's one cognate form that refers to the sin itself, which is what we're talking about um, in this edition of the podcast. Another is the verb form. Uh, to live in an ungodly way. And another form, another cognate, is one that refers to the men themselves who are ungodly. So um, when you're listening next week and, you th and you're thinking to yourself, didn't we already do this word? Well, kind of. We, we did a related word. 
So this word, asebea, is the, uh, is the word for ungodliness, the sin itself. So first, the sin. So in Romans 1.18, it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Okay? So the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness. There it is, asebea, and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. So ungodliness is really bad because the wrath of God comes against it. So uh, it's not just uh, it's not a peccadillo. It's not a trifle. Uh, ungodliness is really bad because uh, the wrath of God is unleashed against it. When it says that these ungodly men hold the truth, as it says in Romans one eighteen, it means they are holding it under or holding it back, like someone holding an overinflated beach ball under the surface of the water. They're resisting it. In other words, they're they're trying to restrain um, uh, the truth. They're trying to keep the truth away from their lives. Now, ungodliness, this asebea, ungodliness is what we are saved from, as Paul says later in Romans. He says this in chapter 11, verse 26. And so all Israel shall be saved, as it is written, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer, and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. So all Israel will be saved, and how is this going to happen? the deliverer is going to turn away ungodliness from Jacob. Ungodliness will be turned away. The gospel turns us away from ungodliness, and the gospel teaches us to turn away from ungodliness ourselves. So, in one expression, uh, the gospel takes us and turns us away from ungodliness. And in this next phrase, uh, from this next uh, passage from Titus, the gospel teaches us how to say no ourselves. So, teaching us that denying ungodliness, there it is, and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. So, the gospel turns us, and the gospel teaches us to turn. For those who are not guarding themselves and their own mouths, ungodliness serves as something of a destination point. If you talk enough, if you chatter along enough, you're going to wind up in an ungodly place. Uh, 2 Timothy 2, verse 16, where it says, But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. So avoid chatter talk, avoid babbling, avoid profane and vain babblings, because they're going to grow, they're going to metastatize and grow up into ungodliness. I mentioned earlier that we have a number of related words in the New Testament, and there's actually one passage where all of them are grouped together. That, uh, that passage is found in Jude, so uh, Jude verse 15 is going to come up this week, next week, and the week after. So it says in Jude 15, to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly, there's one, among them of all their ungodly deeds, there's another, which they have ungodly committed, there's another, and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. So lots of ungodliness um, there. So we have ungodliness, the sin, we have the ungodly, the people, and we have to live ungodly, uh, the verb. And a few verses later, the word for the sin occurs again in verse 18 of Jude. How that they told you there would be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lusts. So you heard it here. You heard it here on the podcast. Ungodliness is bad. So, 
we're continuing with podcast episode 123, and we're coming to the book review, um, the book review section. Uh, this is a book that I just finished editing maybe a month ago, and it's my father's autobiography. Uh, a number of years ago, maybe five, five or more years ago, uh, my dad, who is not, he, he's now 92, um, a number of years ago, asked me what I thought he should do, and I said, "Well, you should write your autobiography. You should." All the stories you've told us over the years, you should get them uh, written down. And so he began, uh, I think that day, began writing that day. And he, would, uh, he was still able to get out and around, and he would bring another chapter or another section uh, to Sabbath dinner every week and uh, give it to me. I, I read, it, uh, read a bunch of it in pieces then, and it's just recently been typeset. And I, so I went through it as an editor this time and read the whole thing from, um, the whole thing from stem to, to stern. Now, I'm, it's just about ready to go to print. So the, the one qualification on this is that when you listen to this podcast, you won't necessarily be able to rush right out and buy it uh, that minute. But it's uh, right on the cusp of being released. And the name of the book is Grace Upon Grace. Grace Upon Grace. And uh, the subtitle is something like Nine Decades of Stories from a Farm Boy, let's see, Farm Boy, Sailor, Officer, and Evangelist. My dad um, grew up in Nebraska, was a farm boy, a Nebraska farm boy. He joined the Navy right at the end of the Second World War. He got a fleet appointment to the Naval Academy, went to the Naval Academy, graduated in class of 50 went uh, into the Korean War almost uh, right away. And uh, after his uh, time in the Navy, he resigned his commission and began his decades-long work of uh, evangelism and, and uh, very fruitful uh, ministry. So this book, Grace Upon Grace, is, it's, a, it's a hefty book. There are a lot of stories. And the stories, are, it, it was really um, gratifying for me to read through uh, this book, uh, to be reacquainted with familiar stories, stories I've heard my entire life, um, to have details of some of the stories that I'd heard for a long time, have details corrected in my own mind. Oh, it, it happened this way, not that way. And then to have occasionally stories that I, you know, what? <laughs> when did this happen? What? What's going on? Now, I think most of the stories I'd heard, and there's some remarkable um, uh, stories. There's one remarkable story of how he was delivered from death. He was a he was a naval officer on a destroyer in the Korean War. He earned nine battle stars. He was he was basically on stage. He was um, involved in the war from the beginning of the war to the end of the war. And at one point, his uh, ship uh, hit a mine. And um, how he was delivered from certain death is one of the most remarkable things you'll ever read. Um, it's really, a, that's a, a fascinating uh, story, how he was uh, delivered in that, uh, in that co combat situation. Um, other, there are other stories of uh, answered prayer. Uh, anybody who's uh, familiar with um, Christian mission work knows about uh, George Mueller and his orphanages in England and how he uh, tr would trust the Lord for provision without doing a bunch of fundraising and so forth. And when my, um, my dad and mom uh, left the Navy for him to go into full-time Christian work for a, 
Christian organization that didn't really have money. Uh, they, they were resolved to, to do it the George Mueller way and to trust the Lord for provision. And there are some George Mueller stories um, uh, in, uh, in this. Just a, it's a very, uh, yeah, you have to sit down and imagine that you're is sitting uh, in a chair across from him while he tells you these stories. It's very much, uh, uh, it's got that personal conversational uh, voice in it. Um, so just a couple of, I'll just mention a couple of other things. Um, uh, my folks were uh, friends with Corey Ten Boom. Uh, in fact, they uh, Corey Ten Boom accompanied them on the second half of their honeymoon in Japan. This was before uh, Corey uh, was made famous through the hiding place. She was a, a itinerant speaker and uh, traveler, and and so they uh, made friends with her. Um, my dad was uh, friends with Lou Zamperini, uh, who had. My mom was a missionary in Japan. My dad was. Uh, there in Japan, um, in and out of Japan uh, because of the Korean War. And um, uh, they, my dad made friends with uh, Lou Zamperini, whose story is told in the great, great book, uh, Unbroken. And, um, and so there, there are stories about Zamperini, stories about Cory Ten Boom, stories about uh, uh, post-war Japan, stories about remarkable answered prayer, stories about the Korean War, um, all of that. It's just really good. So. Um, I'm expecting it to be out within the next um, uh, month or two, uh, and the book is called Grace Upon Grace, and uh, keep your eye uh, peeled for it if you want a book that will really encourage you in your faith. Mm-hmm.